Well, let's pray and then we'll get into the word. Lord God, I thank you for your church. I thank you for the opportunity to gather together, as your word says, to encourage and spur each other on. And I pray that today, as your word comes, that it would encourage us and spur us on and build us up into all that you would want us to be. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Who's been enjoying the series on spiritual practices? Yes? Well, today I have the pleasure of sharing on one of the most foundational spiritual practices. You know, all these other people before me are preaching on this stuff like humility and, and uh, what was it, stillness and vulnerability. You know, they're nice. But let's get to the meat and three veg today. How's that sound? Anyone want to get, you know, not fluffy and nice stuff? No, no, I'm just joking. I'm only joking. Let's get into the foundational stuff. And so alongside something like prayer or attending church, one of the foundational spiritual practices that God has given us is reading the Bible. Is the Bible. Who loves their Bible? Anyone? All right. I could do a survey. Who's read their Bible this week? You don't have to put up your hands. It's okay. I don't want to embarrass anyone. But the fact is, reading your Bible and and the Word of God is a foundational spiritual practice that God has given us. Sadly, what happens for us, and I'm talking from my own experience, is sometimes reading your Bible becomes a duty that we feel like we have to accomplish. And we do it because all good Christians read their Bible. So we do it out of duty. But the reality is, I think if we do it like that, that's okay. But we fail or miss out on the true value of what reading your Bible can provide to your life. And so today, I want to take a step back because I think for us to fully understand the importance of reading our Bible and why it's so important, we need to take a step back and before we think about reading our Bible, we need to get our heads around what the Bible actually is. Why is it so important? Why is this book so significant? So I want us to look at, as most of you would know, 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17. It says there, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God and woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so, in this passage, it tells us that all scripture, the whole Bible, is God breathed. Another way you can describe that is God inspired. And it's that sense that you have even at the beginning of time in creation when God spoke out the word and God breathed into man, into the dust and created humankind. And this is the idea is that this is why we describe the Bible as God's word. In that the Bible reveals to us who God is and the Bible reveals to us what God's plan is for us as well. And so if we want to know God, then the Bible is the first place to start. It's the most significant place because that is what he's given to us. We don't need to go any further than the Bible if you want to know God. 
in a real way. I want to look at this passage in a couple of other versions just to give us a deeper understanding of what it's saying. In the Amplified it says, Every scripture is God-breathed, given by his inspiration, and profitable for instruction, for reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline in obedience, and for training in righteousness. In other words, in holy living, in conformity to God's will, in thought, purpose, and action. Think about that for a moment. That's what the, when we read the Bible, when we take the Bible in, that's what it has the power to do in our lives. To help us conform to God's will, not just in our thinking, but also in our purpose and action. So that the man of God may be complete and proficient, well fitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. As you know, I like to always quote from the message. And it says, every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another. I love this bit. Showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, and training us to live God's way. Through the Word, Scripture, the Bible, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. So to me... Maybe sometimes you think the Bible is a nice book and we know the Bible is the world's best-selling book. But the Bible is more than the world's best-selling book. It is literally the central way that God has communicated to humankind. It's what he has given to us for us to know who he is and how he works. So think about this for a moment. If the Bible is God's word, then like in creation when he spoke the word... What happened? Everything was created. So in the same way, we need to understand that the Bible and his word still has that same creative power to transform our lives as this passage is saying. So we need to start to believe, before you start reading it, we need to start to believe that it is God's word. So if it is God's word, that means it's alive and has the power to change our lives. And I love the way this passage tells us that it also trains us up. Now, when we were talking about spiritual practices, we talked about they are the way we train ourselves. Like We talked about the soldier and the, the athlete and the farmer and how they are trained. They, they discipline themselves. And it's this idea that, uh, and forgive me if it sounds strange, but it's like the Bible is our own personal trainer. That as we read it, it is forming us. As it says here, it's, it's, we are put together and shaped up for the task as we read the Bible. So it is something that is alive and real and able to produce change in our lives. Now, Jesus said it this way in John 17, 17, when he was praying for his disciples, including us. He said, sanctify them by the truth. And he says those powerful words, your word is truth. So think about that word sanctify. This word sanctify, we understand that when we put our faith in Jesus and his grace, that we are saved. And when we are saved, we are immediately sanctified. Sanctification is that immediate work that makes us right with God. Our sin is dealt with and we, are, we can stand before God 
without fault, not because of ourselves, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And so we're sanctified immediately, but the incredible thing about sanctification is that it is also ongoing. It's outworking. So what God has changed us on the inside is outworked in our everyday life as we live for him. And this passage that Jesus says is that we understand that we are sanctified by his word. So in other words, we are sanctified through reading his word and by obeying what it says. Let me give you an example of what I mean by this to get your, help you get your head around it. Who loves football? Probably not after last night, but, but there, we still love it. But I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about every year there's a trade time in football. Last year there was a trade time and the Crows got Isaac Rankin from the Gold Coast Suns. And now he was playing up there, but then he came and joined the Crows. And what would have happened to him is Matthew Nix would have called him to the office and given him a playbook or a, a, a team philosophy book or whatever you want to call it. And he was said, you need to get to know this. If you're going to be part of this team, you need to know this. So he would have had to go away and learn that and then begin to practice it and, and put it into practice. It's the same for us as Christians. As we become Christians and we join God's team, and, uh, and we all know God's team is the crows, but <laughs> I didn't get much from that, so <laughs> come back, come back. But the fact is we, we join God's team, but we were a part of another team beforehand, the, the, the kingdom of this world. And so we have to be retrained or trained in the way of God's kingdom. And what God has given us is this incredible thing called the Bible to help train us, to help teach us what God's ways are. And we discover quickly that God's ways are contrary to the world's ways, that they're totally different. They're, the world says... You know, if someone punches you in the face, punch them back. But God says, turn the other cheek. It's, everything's contrary to what we've learned. So we have to be retrained. And God has given us his word to retrain us. This is why the Bible is the truth. And it sanctifies us. And as Jesus said, when we know the truth, what does it say? The truth will set us free. So it makes sense that when you acquire this truth through the word, that it should change the way you live. The interesting thing for me is often the natural reflects the spiritual, that when you learn things in the natural, sometimes, not always, but sometimes they can be painful. I remember when I was a young boy, I was about three or so years of age, we lived in a flat, and uh, a two-story flat. And um, and one day I was having my afternoon nap and my mum went down to visit the neighbours downstairs and I, no, she, shh, be, behave yourself. She was just downstairs. She didn't go to the shops or anything. Um, she went down to talk to the neighbours and I woke up and I walked out the front door and I couldn't get down the steps because the door was shut. And so I saw these bars in front of me and I thought, I'm going to go and walk over to them and have a look to see what's over there. And next thing I knew, I was, I'd fallen from the first floor to the ground. 
I, I did survive. <laughs> Just. I didn't break anything. I was a baby, so or a, a toddler. So toddlers are very flexible, very bouncy. And uh, I, literally, I literally landed on, there was like concrete and grass. Half of my body landed on the grass and the, my chin hit the concrete. So I got a scar under there. So, but guess what? Even as painful as that was, I learned something about gravity that day. <laughs> the truth of gravity. And, uh, that, but this is sometimes acquiring truth can be painful. And it, it goes spiritually as well, that sometimes there's things that we read in the Word that confront us. And we have a choice to make. Will I listen to it and obey it? Or will I choose to continue to live as I did? And so this is really important because God's Word is there to train us and transform us. You see, God's Word is, is truth. God's Word is alive and active and real. And so if we're going to read it, we need to understand what it can achieve. And I just want to share with you, just to encourage you, some things that God's Word does for us. God's Word generates life. God's Word creates faith. God's Word produces change. God's Word causes miracles. I can't remember how many times people have said that God spoke to them through the Word and it literally performed a miracle in their life. God's Word heals hurts. God's Word builds character. God's Word transforms circumstances. God's Word imparts joy. It overcomes adversity. It defeats temptation. It infuses hope. It releases power, cleanses our minds, brings things into being, and guarantees our future forever. So think about this for a moment. We have established that God's Word is not just a book. It's not just a textbook. It's, it is God's Word. The Bible is God's Word. And if that means it's God's Word, then God's Word is alive. The Bible is alive. And, if, and, and going with that, it, it is also truth. And so in that aspect, if it's alive and true, it has the power to transform our lives and to form us into who God created us to be. So with that in mind, we've established what God's Word is. If we, if we understand what it is, then when we go to read it, we understand the power that it has for us. And so how do we get the most out of God's Word? Let's have a look at this. First, number one, we partake of it. That means in Job 23, 12, it says, I have not departed from the commands of his lips, God's lips, and I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. In 1 Peter 2, 2, it says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Matthew 4, 4, when Jesus was being tempted, he said himself, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Psalm 119, 103 says, how sweet are your words to my taste. Talking about God, sweeter than honey to my mouth. See, there's a, a direct comparison and analogy that God's word is like natural food to us naturally. God's word is the same type of food to us spiritually and this is this is really important for us to understand because we will only grow in as much as we know God's word 
we can come to church as much as we like and that will help us and it will help us to a certain amount and we can pray as much as we like but if we don't get God's word into us if we don't eat it like food we will limit our growth in our Christian faith I can't like that's one of those truths that I've just got to be true and it might be painful for you to hear because you go I don't read my Bible that much but I want to encourage you today the reason why reading your Bible is so important and to that you understand that it is food to our lives so how do we eat God's word how do we partake of it we simply do it by reading and listening to it that's the simple way we we eat and partake of God's word so you think the easiest way I can explain it is think about food. How often do you eat food in a day? Some of us more than others, I don't know. But the fact is we eat of it often. And sometimes we snack. Who loves a snack? Julie is terrible. We have lots of snacks in our cupboard. and Healthy snacks, yes, yeah, so healthy. But we have snacks and there's nothing like And so sometimes reading God's Word is simply... And we're all different, so we're all, some of us are great readers, others, others of us aren't. But sometimes it's just about having a snack. So, you know, one thing I do, this may sound really simple, but who has the Bible app on their phone? Yes, every, if you haven't, you need to get it. Because every day it gives you a verse of the day. So first thing I do when I wake up is I grab my phone. Anyone else do that? And I don't check the weather. And I don't go on Word with friends straight away. But I, I actually see the, the scripture of the day. And I partake of God's Word. And many times it's really encouraging. It really builds you up. So even if you just start with that, it's something. It's snacking. It's eating. Other times you, you need to work out meals. And, and so you need to do it daily. But the importance, if you understand it's food, you understand why it's important to do it daily, to, to read God's word daily. So as I said, some, it's not just reading. For some of us, we're not great readers. And so thinking about reading God's word, it, it gets a bit confronting. One thing I used to do many years ago when I was working as a podiatrist, I used to live in Hope Valley and travel to Glenelg to, to work. And I would listen to the Bible as I was driving. I, I, would, I would get it, you know, you used to get it on cassette tape. Remember those days? Good old days. And I would, I would list, literally just listen to the Bible. And you go, how much are you taking in? I don't know. But it, was, it felt good for my soul. Does that make sense? So it's really important that we eat of it. We, we make a plan. That old saying, if you plan... What is it? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. The thing is we have to make it a priority to get it into our life. And we'll talk a bit more about that in the moment. The second thing we need to do is ingest it. And I, I read this quote. It's funny. I was preparing this a few weeks ago. or we preparing to, to preach on this. And we went to a card shop. And there's a card there that had this quote on the front of it. And it really was like, oh, God, thank you for that speaking out of nowhere but Francis Bacon said some books are to be tasted others are to be swallowed and some few to be chewed and digested so it's one thing to read it but it's another thing to actually ingest it to take it in and actually allow yourself 
to digest it. I'll give you a scripture for it. James 1.25 says, But the truly happy people are those who carefully study God's perfect law. That, make people fr- that makes people free and they continue to study it. They do not forget what they heard, but they obey what God's teaching says. Those who do this will be made happy. That sounds good, doesn't it? But the challenge is to take it on. So reading it and listening to it is the first step. But the natural progression of that is we actually need to do something with it. We need to start to digest it. We need to start to, to allow it to become a part of our lives. And the way we do that is, as this scripture says, number one, to, by studying the Bible. We study the Bible. Now, I was talking to Ashok the other day, and he was really excited. Ashok's a, a massive Bible reader. He read the whole Bible in three months once or a couple of times, which is crazy. Um, but he said, I bought a new Bible, and he said, I've got so many Bibles, I don't know what to do with them all, but I felt to buy a new Bible, and he bought a study Bible, and he says it's revolutionized my, my thinking and my, my way of doing things, because as I read passages, there's like a commentary beside it that explains what it's talking about, and, and that's just a very simple tool that I would encourage you with. If, you, if you're finding it hard to understand what you're reading, buy a study Bible, a commentary Bible, and, and, and read what it's talking about. Now, I'd encourage you to buy. There's some out there that aren't that great. Um, if you want to know more, come and have a chat to me and I'll direct you in the right direction, the sort to get. But there, it's really important to use Use the resources that we have. And there's so many resources in this day and age to, to utilize. And there's so many good commentaries that and study Bibles that you can have. And you read a passage and you go, i got no idea what that was just saying. But you can just read the commentary and it explains it really well. It gives you context. It gives you, gives you a fuller understanding. So studying the Bible is one way we digest it. Another way, which is really cool and bring, take you back to Sunday school, is memorizing the Bible. This is, this is one way that we can digest it and get it into us. And you think, that sounds tough. It only takes one verse at a time. Just spending time. So you, you pick a verse, and maybe it's your verse of the day in your, in your Bible app. I don't know. But you pick it and you check, say, God, maybe it's in an area that you're struggling with or finding challenging at the time and you need some encouragement. Maybe it's in the area of dealing with anxiety or other things. And so you take something like Philippians 4 and you, you read, be anxious for nothing but in all things. And you begin to memorize it and allow it to get into you. you begin to allow it to transform you and renew you and, and, and form you into everything God's created you to be. I was talking to Frank Prodder the other day. He told me an amazing story. He felt God lead him to memorize a, a chapter of, of John. And he's like, I don't know why, I just felt it, felt I was being led to it. And, and I love the book of John, so I just started to memorize bit by bit by bit. And uh, unbeknownst to him, he then, in his work, he bumped into a guy who told him this crazy story about having an out-of-body experience. And how God's, uh, he, did, 
he said, I heard this voice and this voice said to me, do you want to stay or go? And he ended up saying stay and he woke up in hospital and um, after a motorbike accident. So it's just a crazy story. And then he meets Frank and he tells him this story and, and Frank happened to be memorising uh, the book of John where it talks about that Jesus is the shepherd and that his sheep will know his voice. And he literally pulled out the piece of paper in his pocket, which he could see it was all like tatty, that he had been memorising that passage. My sheep will know my voice type of thing. And he said, oh, do you know whose voice that was that you heard? And he goes, no. He goes, well, let me show you this. I've been memorising this. It's from the Bible and it's Jesus is that voice you heard. And just incredible. This guy goes, what? And he, he never saw that guy again or hasn't seen him again, but he saw a friend of his and he goes, I don't know what you did with him, but that guy can't stop talking about the Bible these days. It's like crazy stuff. But God led him to memorize. And so memorizing is a powerful way that not just transforms our lives, but can transform other people's lives. Especially when you're talking to someone and you can, they're going through a difficult time or they're, you meet with them and you can sh- and you're talking to them and a scripture comes into your head that you've memorized and you can say oh it's, I remember in the Bible it says this and it can be an encouragement to them so it's a great way to transform your life or to to ingest and digest God's word is through memorizing and let me encourage you don't you don't have to memorize huge slabs just find a scripture that means something to you and just memorize it and then choose another one the following week. And, but through that, you're continually getting God's word into you. The last one is meditating on God's word. Psalm 119.97 says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate it, on it all day long. Meditating is simply pondering on God's word over and over and over again. Just so you read it in the morning and you allow it to wash through your mind. Now, sometimes it might mean sitting down and reading it over and over again. But people go, I find that really hard to, to keep it in my mind. And one way I like to, to think about it is who, who worries in this place? Anyone worry? What happens when you worry? <laughs> Get old? That, that thought, that thing you're worrying about just goes over and over and over in your head, doesn't it? So my thought is rather than worry about that stuff, why not worry on God's word? Allow God's word to replace that thing that is going through your mind. So whatever that way you do that is because we're created, obviously worry happens And so we have this ability to ponder on things over and over again. So rather than ponder on something negative and your worries for your future or what's happening in your life at the time, replace it with God's word and allow that to go over and over in in your head. Now, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do, when those thoughts come in, I can do all things. When the thoughts come in that you're not good enough, that anyone who believes in him is a child of God. Allow that to come into your mind and your thinking. That's how we meditate on God's word. Just allow it to go over and over and over. When you're thinking you're not good enough, God's word says contrary to that. And the last thing we do is we apply it. 
and use it. So just like food, you eat it, you put it in your mouth, you eat it, you chew it, you swallow it, you digest it, and then what does the food get used for? Anyone? Medical? Energy. Energy to do what you need to do. And so we apply God's word by, as James 1.22 says, be, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Matthew 7.24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And John 13.17 says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So to, to apply God's words, you need to have faith. But to have faith, at some point, as the Bible says, faith without works is dead. So at some point, you actually have to act on your faith. You actually have to do it. And so we will never ultimately be transformed by God's word until we take a step of faith and practice God's word. The simplest example I can give to you from my own experience is in the area of forgiveness that God would speak to me out of his word about forgiving people that had hurt me over my life. And, and I would struggle with that and go, I don't know if I can do that, God. And I remember a time in my life where I felt like I had plateaued in my faith and just was nothing was happening. But at that same time, I can remember God challenging me through his word to forgive and I was struggling to forgive. And it's interesting that it wasn't until I actually obeyed God's word and chose to forgive that things started to change again it's a very simple example and I know I don't want to be too simplistic but and sometimes it takes us actually putting it into practice to bring the change that we want to see D.L. Moody says the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge but to change our lives so this is why reading your Bible Studying your Bible, memorizing your Bible, meditating on it and doing what it asks us is so important. But it starts with reading. That's the beginning point. And so just some really practical tips and then we're going to do a practical application of it here today. You're going to do some work. He wants to, he's ready. So just some really practical things to help you get the most out of reading your Bible. As I said earlier, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So let me encourage you, set a time in your day to read your Bible. Now you don't have to read chapters of it. When, if you set a plan to read your Bible and a time, then also set a plan to how much you read and work out what works for you. Julie is an avid reader. She reads lots of her Bible every day. She just, that's the way she operates. She likes reading. I don't like reading. I'm not a big reader. So I'd like to read ch little chunks. So I'll, what I love to, but I, I have a plan of what I'm going to read. So if it's the book of Mark, I say I'm going to read the book of Mark. And, and so I'll read, and the Bibles are really good these days because they have headings. So I'll, I'll read the 10 verses of the heading and allow that to enter in and to ponder on. It doesn't have to be chapters. Sometimes when we're growing up, you felt like, I'm going to be a good Christian, so I'm going to read two chapters a day. And we'd, and then you'd get to Psalm 119, which is like over, and you go, oh, I can't read all of this. It's too much. No, just if you, it's not about the amount. It's about the application of it. Does that make sense? But if you, if you don't set, 
it in your calendar. If you don't set it in your day, you won't do it. So for some of us, it might be as simple as it's hard to do it every day. So I'll use the Bible app to give me a scripture every day. But then every three days, I'll set a time when I know I can actually give it the, the importance that it needs and the attention that it needs. That's okay. What matters is that we're getting it into us. And when we do it, when we're reading the Bible, obviously I shared about listening to it on the way to work or something like that. And you can do that with those apps these days. It has a, a function where you just press the, what's it, the speaker button on there. <laughs> I'm very technological today. That speaker button and it starts to talk to you. So you can do that in your car, which is good. But also making time to find a quiet place away from distractions uh, and where you can just sit and read. One, one thing that my, I remember when I was younger and in Bible college, they said always have a notebook beside you when you, when you uh, sit down to read your Bible. Not just to write down what you're thinking about, but also to write down all the things that come into your head that you've forgotten to do during the day so there's a lot of distractions so right now oh yeah I've got to change that light bulb or like change that washer in the tap or it's all the things my wife tells me to do but um but have a notebook also to write down things that pop into your head as you're reading questions or thoughts another really good way of reading the bible and this might make you feel a bit weird but read it out loud to yourself Actually read it out loud and just, you, no one else is around, so just feel free to read it out loud. It doesn't ma matter what you sound like, but as you're reading it out loud, it, sometimes it makes more sense. It, 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 it sounds like it's meant to sound. Um, if you talk to some people, um, they really find it helpful to actually write out the passages that they're reading actually write it out by hand. They have notebooks and it's a common thing and they get more out of it as they're writing it out, word after word after word and it helps them get it and actually take in what they're, they're reading. Uh, it's really important to also when you're reading a passage to have a list of questions in your head of what to ask about that passage it, so you can get the most out of it. So you, you're asking things like, where is this book? Is it in the Old Testament or New Testament? What type of book is it? Is it a gospel or is it a, like a, a poetic book or a prophetic book or a historical book? Ask yourself those questions. Where is it in the Bible? Who is it being written to at the time? Is it to the Jews or, or is it to the Gentiles? Is it what church is it being written to? Who is writing it? Is it Paul or another? And you can, it's very easy to find that information Mr. Google these days. Just put it in and, and it will tell you. But these sorts of things are important because you read, when you're reading it, are there, especially with the Psalms, are there words that repeat themselves over and over again, like praise God? Why is it saying praise God over again? What's the importance of praising God? So don't be afraid to ask questions, to, to ask questions of the text that you're reading. Um, think about... Um, who is, as I said, who is talking, especially with the Gospels, who is Jesus talking to at this time? Sometimes we get mixed up because 
we, we forget who Jesus is talking to and so we get confused with the text. Sometimes he's talking to the religious leaders, but then he talks very differently to the common rank and file. So it's important to say, who is he talking to? Is he talking, like, really powerful thing is when you're reading the church epistles by Paul and, and others, that you understand that he is writing these letters to the church. That, think about that as you read. Say you're reading Timothy or, or Peter or John, the letters of the apostles to the church. When you understand that he's not writing this to the world, He's writing it to the church. And he is addressing things like sinful behavior and all of that. So we often like to think, oh, that's about the world. No, he's actually talking to the church. He's talking to us. So these are the sort of questions that are really important for us to ask. And whenever you sit down to read your Bible, pray. Pray before. Because the Bible teaches us that the Holy, God has sent the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. So the thing is to sit down and say, Holy Spirit, I open my heart to you that you would show me what I need to see today. And it's very simple. But a prayer of faith like that, and you'd be surprised at what you find. Now the last thing I want to share with you about getting the most out of reading the Bible is another really good way to get the most out of reading the Bible is by reading it with others. Who reads the Bible with others here? Anyway, that's awesome. I've got the ushers have got some things to hand out, and we're going to actually do it together today. Who's ready? Oh, it's exciting. Oh, I've I've um I've found a a a Bible reading method that actually comes from Crossway Baptist in in Melbourne, and uh, they do this throughout their community as well as uh, in the community with people from the community. And uh, it's just a very simple way to sit down together and read your Bible. And let me encourage you, and the reason I want to share this is because reading the Bible with others is a really good way to get a lot more out of the Bible. What? You've got Margaret? You can catch up with Margaret and read it with her. You've got plenty of people. Maybe there's people around you that you can sit down with once a week and read the Bible. Here at church, Benito, Juanita... And I get together every Tuesday morning and we do a devotion together. We read the Bible together. And it's a really powerful way of getting more out of it. And then we share what we found and it encourages us. And it's a really good way to get the most out of the Bible. And if so if you're struggling with reading the Bible, this is a great, great method. Can I have one? Linda, I didn't get one. <laughs> so in this... It's called the Discovery Bible Method, and um, you can have a read of it, but there's three simple things you do. Now, the first one, A, we won't do today, but the idea is you do this regularly together. And so at the end of it, at the end of the thing, you commit to what are you going to do with what you've read today. And so the first thing you do when you meet back together is ask each other how you went with what you were going to do. So there's an accountability there, which is really good. Who, who loves accountability? The reality is sometimes for many of us, things don't change unless we make ourselves accountable to someone for it. But it's very simple. And 
the main thing is B, the Bible. It says, choose a short passage from the Bible. And I've chosen one today, which is, oops, it's not clicking over. Can we click over? Thanks, guys. It's from Matthew 7. There it is, 7, 24 to 27. We're going to read that together today. And then it says, have someone read it out aloud, then ask someone else to read it out in another translation. So you, you get a, a broader picture. And then the idea is you sit down and talk to it, retell what you've read. What is it saying to you? What is it? What have you just read and what is it about? Um, so we've chosen today this passage. And then it says, spend some minutes silently reading the passage again on your own, silently praying for God to give you direction. And then we'll ask some questions is, what do you see? What does this say about God to you? What does it say about us and about you? And what is God saying to you? And as the idea is to talk about it and converse and discuss, uh, and then obviously there's always red herrings and things that can be thrown in. And so you're always trying to keep people back to what the Bible is saying at that time. So we're going to actually do this today together. Who's up for it? Yeah, you up? Yes. You ready? So we're going to look at Matthew 7, 24 and 27. I'm going to ask Damien to read it to us from the New Living Translation. Is that, can you need your glasses or anything? You're okay. I got this. <clears throat> okay. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in, uh, the rain comes in torrents and f- the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Thank you, Damien. All right, I'm going to pick someone else over here. We're going to read it now from the... Lily, you're looking happy. Yeah, bad. Lily, do you want to read it from the Amplified? So everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man, a far-sighted, practical and sensible man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods and torrents came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, yet it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish, stupid man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods and torrents came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell. And great and complete was its fall. So I want you to take a moment. We've read those two passages. I want you to take a moment to turn to the person next to you and talk about what is what or just retell it to each other so just say now i said before who is speaking in this passage does anyone know jesus jesus is speaking so what is jesus talking about so i want you to just take a moment turn to the person next to you and just take a couple of minutes or a minute to retell it to each other what you have read or what you feel has spoken to you what what is it saying to you
So if we were to continue with this, what you'd do next is you would then take a few minutes to sit down and read that passage again and just to allow it to go over and over. And you might read it multiple times, but just but at that point praying and saying, God, what is it that you're wanting to say to me right now? And what I forgot to mention this earlier, but even in a passage like this, what I would do or encourage the group to do would be to then also have a look at the verses before and after this passage so you get some context. So what is Jesus saying before this and what is Jesus saying after this? And that will help form what he's actually trying to say. But it's talking about that we need to build our house on the rock. So what is the rock? Jesus and his word. Yeah, that's right. And so it's very simple. But then talking about that, what do you see? What, what is God saying to you? What, where is God in this passage? He is that safe place that if we build our house on him, we will be safe. We will find. We will doesn't say you won't have storms, but it does say you will withstand the storms. So you at the end of all of that, once you've talked about it, then the final thing you would do is say, Well, what are you going to do about it? So what this week, in this week coming up, what are you going to do? Or the other thing you can ask each other is, who are you going to tell about this? And, and then you make yourself accountable for that. So when you get back together the following week, you say, how did you go with what you're going to do? And let me say this, if you don't do it, it's not the end of the world. All right? It's important for you to understand that you don't, yeah, I know for you it might be because you are a very task-orientated person. But uh, we don't want you beating each other up. But it is an opportunity for you to sit together and pray about that and say, okay, it didn't work this week, but why? what are some of the reasons why it didn't work? What stopped you from doing it? And you can talk about that. And then you can, well, let's help each other to try and do it this week. So it's not about beating each other up and saying, oh, black mark for you. It's about encouraging and, and building each other up. But the reason I share that is because I want to... Now, we're not starting a church program and going to get you Bible reading partners. I am believing you are adults and you are more than capable. But I want to encourage you about... if you, Especially if you are struggling with reading the Bible, find someone to read the Bible with. And if you're struggling to understand the Bible, find someone who you can read the Bible with that can help you understand the Bible. Remember a few weeks ago, Emily talked about the importance of finding a mentor or someone above you and then finding someone also who you can help as well and, and even them peers, someone you can relate to and be accountable to. This is an opportunity. What I put in your hands today is an opportunity. And you, you may say, Joe, well, I live all by myself and I, who am I going to read it with? Look at all these people around you that may be willing to read it with you. Once a week, catch up and get the most out of the Word of God that you can. So that's my challenge for us today. Who are you reading the Bible with? How are you reading the Bible? 
what are you doing to read the Bible? Because if the Bible is God's word and it has the power to change our lives, what are we doing to make sure we know it? Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word, the incredible gift that it is to us to help us live this life you have called us to. And God, I pray even today that you would remind us of that importance and that you would help us to take steps and make plans to make your word a greater part of our lives. That we would take it in even more and that we would make plans to to make it a greater part of our life because it is an incredible way for us to know you in a deeper way. And that's our desire through these spiritual practices. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, the coffee machine's on. Feel free to hang around, catch up, and uh, we'll see you during the week. God bless.